I'm blessed to be here. I'm so honored to be at this altar, to be here, to share with you a word that has blessed me and one that I'm still digesting mentally. And I pray that as we break bread tonight, as we share in his word, your spirit will grow, your heart will grow, your faith will be built in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for the honor of just gathering around you, for the honor of just hearing from you. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We pray that your word will dwell richly in our midst tonight, that your strength will be added to us, O God, that your grace will be elevated in our midst, that our understanding of who you are will grow. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I am in First Kings. Let's turn to First Kings chapter 13. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will burn on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. Verse 4, when King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Verse 5. Also, the altar was split apart, and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, by the word of the Lord. Verse 6. The king said to the man, Intercede with the Lord your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord, and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. Verse 7. The Lord said to the man, Come. The king, sorry, said to the man of God, Come home with me for a meal. I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, Even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told, him their, told their father what he had said to the king. Verse 12, the father asked them, which way did he go? His son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to the son, saddle the donkey for me 
and when they did he had saddled the donkey they saddled the donkey for him and he mounted it and rode after the man of god he found him seated under an oak tree and asked him are you the man of god who came from judah verse 15 i am he replied so the prophet said to him come home with me and eat the man of god said i cannot turn back and go with you nor can i eat bread or drink water with you in this place i have been told by the word of the lord you must not eat bread drink water there or return by the way you came the old prophet answered i uh, i too am a prophet as you are and the angel said to me by the word of the lord bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water but he was lying to him. Verse 19. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While they were seated at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not taken and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Verse 22. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, in other words, he continued eating and drinking even at the sound of such scary prophecy, Verse 23, when the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his body was left lying on the road with both the, lion, with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by saw the body lying there with the lion standing be beside the body, and they went and reported in the city where the old prophet lived. Verse 26. When the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him, as the word of the Lord had warned. 27. The prophet said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And they did so. Then he went out and found the body lying on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back to his own city to mourn, to his own city to mourn for him and bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb and they mourned over him and said, Alas, my brother, 31. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message he declared of the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all shrines in the high places in the town of Samaria will certainly come true. Verse 33. Even after this, Jeroboam did not change his ways, 
but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of people. Anyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the sin of Jeroboam that led it to its downfall and to its destruction from the face of the earth. We bless the word of the Lord. Interesting story right there. A man has a purpose. A man has a message. He even knows what he should and should not do. But alas, he is derailed to do the very thing that he was told not to do. What was wrong with that picture? What was wrong with that picture? He repeats the instruction. He repeats the instruction, not just to himself, but to anyone who will listen. Even when a question is not relevant to that answer, he says, no, will I eat? No, will I drink? No, will I go back by the way that has been given? Interestingly, the man of God has no name, nor does the old prophet. I found that very interesting because it wasn't so much who they were, it was what they did that gets that story into the Bible. And it's not peculiar to just them. It's many of us. The Lord has given you a promise. I'm delighted that pastor started by highlighting how many have received a prophecy. How many have received a word from the Lord. God has given you a word. God has even given you instructions on what to do. But in the face of the very thing that will take that away, you're easily tricked. Is that unusual? No, it's not. It's an everyday thing, isn't it? It's an everyday thing. It's part of our nature. But in this same story, we have the old and we have the new. I asked myself, if there was an old prophet in this city, why didn't the word about the altar come to that prophet? Why did another prophet have to come all the way from Judah to give a prophecy and there was another prophet within the same area. There was a disease already in that area. There was a defilement that had already happened in that area. There was a disease that had happened in that area. You ask me what is the disease? It's not literally written in the Bible, but that indication for me told me something. Jeroboam, if you note the last verse, 33, the sin of Jeroboam at this time was anyone who was willing to be priest could become priest. Meaning that if what he said sounded pleasing to the king, he would be appointed priest. It was no longer the tribes of Levi that determined who was priest. It was no longer the ways that the Lord had given to them that determined who was priest. But now it was as and when whoever pleases would be assigned as priest. How did that happen? And there's a prophet in the city. How did that atmosphere thrive? And there was a prophet in the city. So the Lord sends a prophet all the way from Judah. I like to imagine it's fight. It could be two, two, two towns away, but it is still not the same city. Yeah? I like to imagine that he brings another prophet to to give a word that the other servants of the Lord already in the house could have given. I asked myself, why did the prophet lie? Why did the old prophet lie? He made a mockery. He made a mockery of this young man's inexperience, his lack of wisdom, his vulnerability. How many of us are like that sometimes? 
You have a word and you quickly share it with someone not knowing that they are not necessarily for you. Am I calling us to be suspicious? No, I'm calling us to be wise as serpents. I'm calling us to be clever in the way we handle our issues. There was a clash between the old and the new. There was a clash between what seemed to be working and what was, was new on the scene. I bet the young man was very, very enthusiastic about being able to keep the law. Being able to not eat in the king's house. He even adds, I will not even have anything like half of your possession, O king. He treats them with spite. But it saddens me that the same man was fooled by one of his own household. He was a prophet. It wasn't like an outsider who came and told him, ah, just eat. You know that one you can see. There is a sin that you can see. Now the most dangerous one is the one you can't see. The one that's right in your face. The one that is camouflaged. The one that, and it's amazing that the same man who has given the lie delivers the truth. After that, he's a prophet. The gifts of God are without repentance. So not only has he lied, but he has passed judgment on the very brother he has set down. The man that should be uplifting him is pulling him down and burying him, literally. How many times do we overlook simple poison? I've been meditating with a friend of mine about the way poison works. What's the first aid for a snake bite? Anyone? We're in class. What's the first aid for a snake bite? Tie the limb. If it's the head, what do we do? We tie the neck. <laughs> On a light note. But the first aid for a snake bite is to tie the limb, isn't it? So you tie above or below? Above, towards the heart, okay? To do what? Why do we do that? To cut off the poison, isn't it? To stop the poison from going to the heart. Well done, student. Clap for her. <laughs> to stop the poison from going to the heart. There are so many things that happen to you every day, but because you haven't recognized that they are poison, you let the blood flow. Somebody throws something, says something, that should be offensive. And then you have that micro 30 seconds to decide whether to be offended or not. Where you evaluate and say, now this one. Hmm? Why are you talking to me? Yani, mimi ni mjinga. When you start now processing. That is the poison now climbing up the muscle. Isn't it? Before you know it, you have bitterness in your heart. A thing that started down here. How did it make its way up here? You did not cut it off. A thing that should be offensive to you or someone in your family. How did this message come to me? One time, my husband and I are discussing one of the employees, one of the employees working with us. And so we disagree on the way we want things to go. We disagree on, on how on the way we want to handle the issue. And and you know those times where you really want your point to be the point and his point is the point and then he has to prevail because he's the head of the home. Hallelujah, wives. 
and 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 at that point i i am we are in the car we've just dri- driven into the the just parked outside the house and he steps out of the car and then the lord just tells me let me say the young man we were discussing was say moses and the lord just says to me don't let moses into the house and i sat there thinking to myself hmm how many times do we let Moses into the house? You enter the house banging the sufriers, you serve him food. Moses is still in the house. You give him his water, he asks, can I wash my hands? Do you want it hot or cold? You know, Moses is making his way into the house. What started off as a small argument, what started off as an insignificant issue, married women gets right into the bedroom. from outside the gate. And then I began to ask myself, how many things have we given access without understanding the way poison works? The devil does things to you. People do things to you. And they don't have to distract you to the grave. You self-destruct. By allowing them to get to your head. He said a word, think about it. He's careless in the way he says You know, find whatever excuse you can to keep that poison out. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. is a scripture I have grown fond of. 1 Peter 3, verse 4, verse 3 and 4. It talks about the beauty. No plating hair. No adorning jewelry and things guilty as charged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blood is sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there is an, ins- an, an interesting aspect about this scripture. Let me read from verse 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as braiding the hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Verse 4. Instead, it should be that of inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in the sight of God. Certain versions say the undefiled, incorruptible, the incorruptible, incorruptible beauty, yes. That, that's, that's King James. It says, with the incorruptible beauty of gentle and quiet spirit. Incorruptible means that there is corruption outside, but it refuses to be corrupted. Incorruptible means that there are times when you walk towards me and you came intending to give me a warm hug. And then I give you a look. And you have a moment to decide whether to proceed with your warm hug or to turn around and just downsize it to a handshake. Incorruptible means that sometimes you purpose to help someone. You can see that they need something. But they are proud, ungrateful, they are dirty. And that which lies on them corrupts what you have carried. Many of us live inwards based on outwards but I'm calling us to a place where we live outwards based on inside if your heart has chosen to love this woman even though she bangs the saucepans and shuts the door 
there is grace for you to remain incorruptible. There is grace for you to remain incorruptible. You say, so Irene, will I be a doormat? Be a doormat if that's what it takes to maintain the peace in your heart. Bitterness is much heavier than peace. Hatred is more destructive than forgiveness. How many times do you come close to moments where you should be mad? I speak so many times from the scenario of a wife because that's relatable to me. But I want you to think of it in your own scenario. There are moments where your husband will come home very tired. Then you ask yourself, is it my fault you're tired? (laughs) I expect happiness. I expect you to be nice to me, to smile at me. I've been quiet the whole day. I want you to come and smile at me. But because he's tired... He has been corrupted by the things out there. He walks in very tired. And instead of you being an antidote, you take on the same disease. And because you're a womb, you incubate it, multiply it, and serve it to him double. You need to know who you are. Different people react differently to different corruptions. Different poisons. Let us supply the first aid. Of just wisdom. Just decide, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not losing my joy today. Staying pure before him. If you must give today's message a title, I'm talking about staying on course. Tell your neighbor, staying on course. Staying on course. I'm told that pilots have one principle, that if they get into a storm, During a flight, one of the key things they're supposed to do is to stay on course. You don't change your altitude because there's a storm. You don't, otherwise you will lose your route and get lost completely. So the storm should not dictate where you're going. The storm should just be part of the journey. You're like, ah, and then we got to Nakuru and it was raining. Then you get to Gilgil. And it is shining. Does the car stop? Either way, you keep what? There are those places that are foggy, those places that are sunny. You should remain pure. How many things has God said to you? He's given you an instruction. Talk to me in the morning. And you say, ah, God, there's a way in which today is cold. Let's talk at 9, 11 there when the sun is out. How many times has God given you a message for someone? He's given you a message for someone, but you've not delivered it because you leave outward best on inside or the other way around. There is a beauty to to remaining stout in there. There is a beauty to refusing to lose your joy. Sometimes, even when the corruption is coming from the people who should be protecting you like the old prophet, lest you be buried in the same tomb as the old prophet, lest you be defiled by the same disease that they carry. Do they know that you're telling the truth? Yes. Do they wish you well? Yeah, on the other hand, but they don't want you shining maybe too bright. So they slow you down. How many helpers or destiny connectors that you know this person has my key, but there's a way in which he has put it in many keys and is really... Changanya Migu is not giving it to me. Hmm? 
There are so many people that have been hurt. So many people that have been hurt. But I want to tell you this evening that there is one who is not afraid of you rising. There is one who is not afraid of you rising. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Sometimes I ask myself, what motivates him in trying to understand the love of God? I'm trying to ask myself, what motivates you? Like, if we give him praise, like if we shout louder, then maybe his love increases. But I once had an incident where the first time I experienced agape love, I, I I went crazy. There were these two people who loved me. And I didn't understand why. And I knew it had nothing to do with anything I have done. And that was the problem. You know people who will tell you, I love you. And you can see they love you. But, but you're like, uh-uh. There is a lie somewhere. There is a lie somewhere. Why? Because I am so used to the corrupted version of love. And I'm not about to be hurt again. I am so used to the twisted side. The camouflage. That comes with the pain. That even when a genuine thing is put before you. You can't take it. How many believe that the cross is able to heal physically? You believe that with your whole heart. That when you have a migraine, you keep away the panado waiting for the cross to work. Or you pray for the panado to become the cross and send it down your throat. I just want to challenge our faith. I want to challenge our faith to know that he is able. To know that he is able. Many things will come to you. Many things will will cause you not to remain on course. But you have to purpose to remain on course. In a while we'll be praying soon. But allow me to look at Philemon verse 6. It's a book with only one chapter. Philemon. Let me start from verse 5. I always thank God. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. That is my prayer for you today. That every partnership you have will be an anchor in the Lord. Not the kind that destroys you like the old prophet. That every partnership in your life will lead you to growing in him. And I pray that you too will also be an anchor to your neighbor. That when you know you should, pointing, you should be pointing out their faults, you're encouraging them and saying, but the Lord is able to transform you. The Lord is able to help you stay on course. The Lord, when you don't have a proper answer for them, you tell them, keep with the Lord. He points them to the Lord. You don't always have to be the Alpha and Omega. You don't always have to have the answers for them. You don't always have to have the answers for them. May your partnerships elevate you in Jesus' name. May your partnerships uplift you in Jesus' name. May your partnerships stay you on course in Jesus' name. May they supply strength for the journey. May they supply strength For learning in him. There is a way that the Lord will not compete with things around you. 
How do I know this? The instruction that was given to the Israelites when it came to building the altar in Exodus 20, verse, 4, verse 24 and 25. Exodus 20, verse 24 says, Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats, your cattle, wherever... I cause my name to be honored. I will come to you and bless you. Verse 25. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. Sometimes in seeking a second opinion on what the Lord has said to you, you defile the very word you've been given. Sometimes in trying to find confirmation, and your heart knows this was him, you defile what you've been given. He wants you to stay put. He wants you to take his word for it, because it can be trusted. Certainly the man of God in the first story we read probably could have just ignored the old prophet and stayed on course. Having answered, if the Lord had said to him, do not eat or drink or, or, and ch- change your direction when you go. Once he has told the old prophet the instruction, he should have waited for the same Lord to tell him, there is an old prophet, go and eat at his house. But hunger gets the best of us. How many times do you decide to fast? And, then you, and that's the day when pastor declares, worshipped him lunch. And you know those lunches are not very light. Oh, that is the day there's a birthday in the neighborhood. Oh, that is the day visitors decide to come and your, your husband instructs, cook good food. And then you're there frying the chicken and your tummy is talking to you in tongues. How will you test if there's salt? Majaribu ni mengi. Let not your altar be defiled by human additions. Let not your altar be defiled by human opinions. He lied to him, but he could not discern that it was a lie because he trusted him from the point of friendship or being an old prophet. How is it that he could overcome the king and not overcome his colleague? I don't blame him because there's many of us like that. And the Lord made sure that the lion did not consume his body so that the old prophet will know what he has done. How is it that a lion and a donkey can stand next to a dead body? Or a lion, at least a donkey we can understand. But the lion is, is, there's a body there and there's a donkey. Next to it and they are eating or whatever they were doing. That can only be God. There's a breaking that happens to you. That only God will orchestrate because of your disobedience. There's a breaking that God does to you. And you need to be careful because your journey can be cut short because of disobedience. But today I'd like to ask that each one of us will lift our eyes to him that perfects our faith. That when you fall, you say, Lord, be, be the one to pick me up. Let no one else pick me up for they will bury me in their own grave. They will write me off Be the one to pick me up. Be the one to pick me up. 
Isaiah 53 tells us that the sacrifice that was given was perfect. And that is the hope I'm throwing out to you today. If you have fallen off course, remember that for our transgressions he was bruised. And by his wounds we are healed. For surely he took up our infirmities. He was bruised for our iniquities. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. How many have fallen short of the glory of God? How many have fallen off course like the young prophet? Can I put it to you today that there is hope? But that hope, that hope you have to believe with all your heart for it to be effective. You cannot allow doubt to poison your faith. You cannot allow impatience to poison your faith. Like Saul, you decide to, 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 to give the sacrifice instead of waiting for the priest. To walk away. Last Sunday we talked about Moses deciding to strike the rock instead of speaking to it. Moses was poisoned by anger in that moment. He could have stayed on course. He had come so far, endured so much, yet lost it in a moment. And this same God that loves us so much is actually very strict. He could have told Moses, Oh, Moses, you and I have come from so far. Just enter the city. Just, just go to the promised land. But he buried him. He buried him. I keep telling my friend that God is so faithful to his own word. Who said that the soul that sins must die? Who made that, that declaration? Do you know who made that declaration? The soul that sins must die. Have you heard those words before? Yes? Are you still together? If you've heard me, stand up. I want to see whose ears are working. Pastor, we might have to pray for people whose ears are going deaf. The soul that sins must. That was the word of the Lord. When Adam sinned, God was so faithful to his own word that he had to kill his son to fulfill it. He could have said, ah, let it be. I can change my mind. Isn't that what we do? You tell a Toto, if you do this, I'll chopper you. Then the child does it and then cries so sweetly. Then you say, end that too. There are things that God will not say and to. There are things where the principle will apply. And I pray that you will not be caught offside. Can we read Proverbs? Proverbs is the last scripture I want us to read and then we go into prayer. Proverbs chapter 4, 20. Verse 20 and 22. And this one you're going to declare to your neighbor. Verse 20, please. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, My son, pay attention to what I say. Even the ladies are sons right now. To, to as many as believed him, he gave them the power to be what? Eh. So continue with me. My son, pay attention to what I say to you. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them. 
and health to the man's whole body. Every word that the Lord has given you, every word that the Lord has given you is worth protecting. Every word that the Lord has given you, when we talk about incline your ear to it, some things in you are stubborn, isn't it? You're going to have to literally incline your ear to it. Some things in you look for comfort. You want the warmth. You huddle up in the places where you know, ah, this is the place. And yet the Lord is saying, go. Go into fasting. Go into prayer. And let's do that next week. Incline your ear to them. The Bible talks about guard your heart for out of it springs the issues of life. Guard your heart for out of it springs the issues of life. Stay on course. Whatever word the Lord has given you, stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Tell your neighbor, stay there. Stay there. Don't give up. Stay there. Why don't you lift your hands up tonight and let's make some declarations and ask the Father to forgive us for times we have defiled the altar by seeking human assistance, seeking human assistance in helping the word, thinking like Sarah, that let us help the Lord bring forth Isaac by bringing forth Ishmael when you should be waiting for Isaac. Share a brief testimony of a lady whom I looked up to as a teenager. This lady was such a powerful musician. The most powerful worshiper I've ever met. She could sing and power could come down. She could lift her hands and the whole place could be flooded with glory. Till one day something happened. A pastor told her you are the worst musician I've ever seen in my life. That was in the 80s. This is the year 2018. To date, she has never taken the microphone to sing. We may blame Satan for that, but we also blame the lady. She accepted a verdict that was contrary to the gifting of God. And as uh, the woman of God was talking and as she was making declarations, the Lord was opening my heart and my spirit to see something in this place. That there are people who are manifesting poisons instead of manifesting their callings. You are manifesting a negative report instead of manifesting the report of the word of the Lord. And some of you, it, has, it was a parent who told you something that has grown in you like a tree. It is like a tree is growing inside of you because of a word spoken by a parent. We are here tonight. Of course, we are going to pray for physical diseases. But the most vital thing the Lamb of God wants to address this evening is the poisons of the soul. Trees that were not planted by our Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. One time, I remember we were in a meeting and I was interpreting some tongues that were being spoken. And a, a man of God stood up and he said, you are not speaking the right English. In, in English, it should be like this. And I felt like diving under the chair, crushed. 
Here is a man with a gift. But you don't see the gift. You see the tools he's using to manifest that gift. I am trying to interpret tongues by the Holy Spirit. You, you are analyzing my English. And these are the people we are dealing with every day. This is the place we go to every day we operate in our society. So with those few remarks, allow us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to deal with those poisons. Some of you, it is way, way in childhood. Others, it is just last week. Maybe it is this morning. And you have tried to wiggle it out of your heart and you can't. Nothing is difficult to remove from the heart like a poison. Especially poison through relationships. Poison through friendships. 